we're starting a new series, so you might want to open up your notes, grab, grab that handout, and, and see the outline in it. We are launching into a, a new series called Outlandish Love. And this was a concept that really, it's just been, it, it God's captured my heart with it. Because the more I read the scripture, the more I see that this is the love that Jesus has for us. This outlandish, lavish, extravagant love. This love that is just poured out so generously. And it's the kind of love that, that so many of us, we've already received gratefully. And now it's the kind of love that we want to be a part of, of giving out in this world. And so that's what we want to do over this next four weeks weeks, we're, we're just going to talk about this outlandish love. Look at a, a snapshot from the life of Jesus and then it, it kind of examine how we can get into his outlandish love with our faith, uh, with our actions, our words, without expectations. That's where we're going to go over this next series. So really, really uh, want to invite you to be a part of all four weeks. Now, uh, for some of you, you, you might not remember the definition of outlandish. And so let me give you the definition that we're using through this whole series. It is uh, this, outlandish, strikingly out of the ordinary, bizarre, like an outlandish costume. Uh, look at this uh, second definition, exceeding proper or reasonable limits or standards in no way a proportional response. Friends, that's the love that Jesus has for us. That's the love that Jesus consistently poured out again and again and again. Jesus is the one who loves outlandishly, not proportionately, right? Proportional would be um, a friend loves you, you love them, that's proportion. Jesus just poured it out. He poured it out on all, all types, on, on everyone. Jesus had this overwhelming, this extravagant, this, this flood, this, this outlandish kind of love. And that's the kind of love that we're going to go after, okay? So that's where we're going. I want to start by reading you a story in the scriptures. This is from John chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, it, it is on your notes as well. It'll be on the screen. This is a story of how there was an outlandish love moment, but it required an incredible amount of faith. And so we're going to jump in. We're going to take a look at what that might mean as Jesus invites us into his outlandish love. So here is the, the episode from John 6, starting in verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw the miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Most scholars believe that in, in this episode, there were probably about 10,000 plus that were gathered around Jesus. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. 
After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. I'd love to have you pray with me right now, if you would. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to say thank you for your outlandish love for us. We want to say thank you for the scripture that reveals your heart and and the way in which you pour love and distribute your love. We also want to say that we not only believe you're the prophet, we believe you're the Messiah. You're the one who has come to love us and to forgive us and to save us. And so, Lord, we just want to say thank you for that, and we step into your love right now. We ask that you would speak clearly to our hearts and allow us to be changed because of our experience of your spirit today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this is an example of outlandish love in that it is in no way proportional. Okay, so I want you to think really clearly about like an equation that is balanced on both sides of the equal sign, right? That, that's what proportional looks like. Proportional is described in the Old Testament like this. Um, the the uh, restitution must equal the offense. That, that's balanced, right? That's proportional. So an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That's, that's proportional, right? Are you, are you tracking with me? If someone does something good to you, you do something good back to them. That's proportional. Um, if somebody hits you on one cheek, you hit them back on their cheek, right? We're talking about these cheeks, not these cheeks, but that, like you get it, that it's just, it's tit for tat, it's, it's, it's proportional, and that's sort of what the, the whole world has always operated out of, And Jesus, he's the one who sets up this entirely new model. It is completely disproportionate in how he approaches us. And so I I found this quote. I love it. It's from Frederick Buechner who says, A miracle is when the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. A miracle is when one plus one equals a thousand. And I love that because I want to introduce you to a concept. We'll come back to it over the course of the next few weeks. You might want to write this in your notes somewhere. This is the concept of God's math. God's math is different than our math. This is where when you open the scriptures and you start reading about Jesus, you realize that he wants to equip us with calculators from his kingdom. You, you realize when you take a look at some of these uh, episodes in the life of Jesus that he's inviting us to let him be in charge of the multiplication table. And so let me give you the equation for today's story. The equation looks like this. Five loaves plus two fish feeds 10,000 people. That's God math. Now, my son Doozy just started third grade, and he's got math homework, and so if Doozy wrote down this equation, turned it in, his teacher would give him a frowny face on the top corner, right? This doesn't jive with how we operate in today's world. It's not realistic, but I want to tell you that it's the kind of math that God invites us into by faith. 
And so that's what we're going to take a look at. What does it take for us to experience this outlandish love with our faith? And we're going to use this, this story, this episode in the life of Jesus, to illustrate some key truths. The first key truth, if you're filling in the blanks, is really, really simple. It's Jesus is one step ahead of you. Jesus is one step ahead of you. I mean, that's what we see clearly in this story, that Jesus is one step ahead of the disciples. Jesus is one step ahead of the circumstance. Jesus already knows the outcome. He already has a plan in mind. Jesus already has the situation handled. He's one step ahead of us. Now, I just want to ask, isn't that an incredibly comforting thought? That Jesus, no matter what you're facing right now, no matter what stressed you out this week, no matter what circumstance that you cannot see your way through, you need to understand Jesus is already on the other side of that thing. He has already got it handled. He already knows what he's going to do. And he's inviting you to be a part of his solution making according to God's economy, utilizing God's math, right? Notice in the scripture what he says to Philip. Where are we going to feed all these people? How are we going to get bread to feed all these people? This, by the way, this miracle is mentioned in all four gospels. The disciples never, ever forgot this situation. They absolutely seared itself into their psyches. All of them were telling this story because it was so profound because Jesus had invited them into the miracle. He says, Philip, what are we going to do? In fact, in, in uh, one of the gospels, uh, Jesus says, you guys give them something to eat. And so you can just imagine the disciples kind of huddling up. All right, boys, come here. Let's go. All right, we got we to gotta feed these people. 10,000, we got to feed these people. How are we going to do it? And you got Philip and, and he offers an answer, right, Philip? Yeah, he's linear. He's logical. I imagine he's an engineer at Boeing, right? He's, he's like doing some calculation. You know, what, what is that? I don't know. I don't. <laughs> calculator, not part of my world there. But uh, so he's, he's doing some math. Oh, Jesus, you know, I, according to my calculations, you know, I, I calculate all 12 of us, not, not you, Jesus, but if, if the 12 of us disciples worked uh, full-time, you know, uh, an average of 40 plus hours a week, and we did it, you know, based on the average median income of a, a 30-year-old male in the Israeli, you know, section of Rome, uh, then uh, it, it is my calculation that it would take 4.2 months in order to have enough money to buy a Happy Meal from McDonald's for each and every person here today. And of course, by then, Jesus, they'd all be dead. So, um, not a good solution. And then you got Andrew, right? This is Simon Peter's brother. And, and he jumps up. Oh, oh, Jesus, I, I got an idea. Here's a buddy of mine. And he's got, he's got some loaves and a couple of fish. And, and we can take these. And uh, you know what? That's a dumb idea. <laughs> Sorry, that's a dumb. I thought we could do a, uh, you know, I don't even, I'm going to sit down and be quiet for a little while. Right? The disciples on their own, you know, imagination and thinking and crafting and scheming and calculating, they could only come so far. They were only using their math. But God invites us to use his. See, Jesus invites us into something that is incredibly outlandish, and it's only available when we go there by faith. And we realize that Jesus is one step ahead of us. 
See, what Jesus was doing with the disciples, and I think often what he does with us, is he, he, he provides a test. He provides an opportunity for us to realize that he's one step ahead of us, that he already has the situation handled. Right? This was an object lesson for the disciples, one they never, ever forgot. He had the solution already nailed down. Now, what's interesting to me about the solution that Jesus chose not one of the disciples could have guessed what it was. I want to tell you that's often true in your situation. Right now you're using your best strength and your best cleverness and your best mind, your best reason, your best uh, opportunity. You're, you're doing everything according to your own knowledge base. I want you to know that God has that situation handled. And the solution that he has looks nothing like the one you're trying to work. He so often invites us into something that is way more wonderful and incredibly radical that will absolutely blow your mind. But you have to go there by faith, knowing that Jesus is one step ahead of you. The next fill-in, if you're taking notes, is that you anticipate that Jesus will come through. You anticipate that he will come through. Now, this happens, friends, before he actually does come through for you. That's why it's called faith, that you would believe that he will come through. You anticipate that he's already on the move, that, that it's by faith you affirm that Jesus is one step ahead of you, and he is at work in your life. But you can only access that place by faith. And the scripture says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You know, the pivotal words here are, are, are hoped for and not seen. If we can see these solutions, if we know how to walk the road, then it's not faith. If it can be done on our own strength and cleverness and contacts, then... then Jesus doesn't get the glory. And so we anticipate that Jesus will come through. Whatever you're facing, I don't know what you're facing today, but whatever it is that you're facing, you need to believe by faith that Jesus is one step ahead of you and that he will come through, that he is working behind the scenes right now. And you just picture that 10,000 folks gathered together and they were hungry. We're hungry now. They had to believe that Jesus would come through for them, right? Believe by faith, anticipate the action of the Lord. And I believe this works 10,000 ways in your life. Your faith will, will impact your life in 10,000 ways if you believe that Jesus is one step ahead of you and that he's already working on your behalf. If you believe that Jesus will come through, this will impact all over your life. See, I... I I don't know exactly what you might be facing this week, so let me just take a, a couple shots. Maybe you're in a marriage right now and there's some pain. You have to believe by faith that Jesus is one step ahead of you, that he is working behind the scenes, and, and you believe by faith that the best is yet to come. Maybe in your finances right now, you are up against a brick wall. You're like the disciples in this story. You don't have the resources in order to meet the need. So you believe by faith that Jesus will come through. Maybe it's it with um, your physical health. 
and you feel like not only have you been in this situation where you've been battling this thing, but you're still battling it, and it's been a long time, I want to encourage you, don't give up hope. That you believe by faith that Jesus will come through for you. And that you live in anticipation of that because as you live in anticipation of that, you help be a part of the solution that Jesus is inviting you to participate in. That's where the word anticipate comes from, right? That you would anticipate that Jesus will come through and that you would actually act in such a way that what Jesus is doing, the solution that he's bringing, you're welcoming that into your life. So how does that look in the story? Well, Nobody had anything to eat. 10,000 people, they were all hungry. Out on a hillside, you, you know, they're off, uh, away from the villages or whatever. And, and I just pictured this like a, um, so I'm a dad. I've, I've, we're a family of five. And I, I just picture it like I'm there with my, with my family. And, and we're there, we, we've been listening to Jesus for a while. And all of a sudden, you know, we realize that we're all hungry. And, and the kids are the ones who remind me, Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, seriously, how long are we going to listen to this guy? Like, uh, haven't you got your Jesus fill? You know, like, uh, come on. You know, my kids, they never whine. <laughs> nah, nah. <sighs> and so, you know, they're starting to get hungry. And they're like, come on, Dad, let's go. And, and, and I'm thinking, you know what? I, they're right. It's, it's been a long day. We've been listening to Jesus out here in the middle of nowhere. And and I don't think a food truck can get up this hill. And uh, you know what, guys, let's go. We'll just, we'll swing by the village. We'll go through the, the drive-through. It's not a drive-through. We'll do the camel through. We'll, uh, and we'll get you guys all set up at the Falafel King. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm just thinking about what I need to do to take care of my need and my family. And what it says in the scripture is that Jesus says, why don't you have everyone sit down? Well, if you sit down in that moment, what are you doing? You're anticipating something. What are you anticipating? You're anticipating a meal. Oh, they're going to feed us. You know what? I don't, I don't see the food tent anywhere, but hey, they, they want me to sit. Okay, I'll sit. Come on, guys, let's sit. Let's see what's, let's see what's going on. Let's see what's going to happen. They're anticipating that Jesus is one step ahead and that he is already on the move, that he will come through. And that's where we get to be. That's where we get to be by faith, okay? Now, it brings us to this third place, and, and I want to challenge you in this, because I think so many of you, this is exactly where we are. It says, be a part of God's distribution pipeline. Be a part of God's distribution pipeline. And that's where the disciples were. And so we get a clear picture of this. Uh, this is in Luke chapter 9. 14, it says, Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down. Then it says, Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. Now, just picture that scene for a moment, right? I, just, I, I want you to kind of get your mind around this thing. So Jesus, he has the disciples sit all the folks down. There are groups of 50, 100-ish. And, and uh, then he takes the food, the, the sack lunch that was offered by the little boy. He's got five loaves, two fish, and he offers it up to the Lord. He says, God, would you bless this? And then he sits down. He's got a little sack right there, you know, a, a little brown bag. And, and he pulls out a loaf and he starts breaking it up and he hands it to the disciples. 
I just imagine that Peter's there, right? So Peter gets a couple of chunks of fish and some bread right there from Jesus, and he goes over, and he's like, I don't know how far this is going to go, but here, you know, you guys are the first group. Enjoy. You know, God bless you. And then he goes back over. Oh, there's a little more? Okay. You know, uh, thanks, Jesus. He takes it from Jesus. He goes over to the next group. Of course, all the disciples are doing that. They're all spreading out. He gives it to the next group. Here you go. God bless you. Hey, here you go. Here's an extra piece of fish. Okay. Comes back over to Jesus. Oh, there's more food. Uh, where's this food coming from, Jesus? You know, he's, he's asking. The other disciples are coming back. Yeah, where, how are you doing this, man? And Jesus just smiles, gives them more food. And they're like, oh, my gosh. What is this? They come back. Oh, hey, there's more. How in the world? There's not even salmon in Galilee. It doesn't even go to the ocean. And he just gave me a smoked salmon. And, you know, oh, I don't even know what France is. But this looks like French bread. And, you know, it's just handing this out. And they just start being blown away that Jesus just keeps on pulling out food from this little sack. And it's just this incredible example of God's math that the disciples get to be on the front line of. I just get blown away. You know, I kind of picture if I was a disciple, like one of the 12, which one would I be? And I think I would be like, here's Simon Peter, here's Judas Iscariot, here's Mike Howerton, the yelling disciple. Because I, I think I would be like the guy, whoa, like every day, you know, whoa, Jesus, you did, oh my, you spit in the ground and healed the guys, whoa, like I would be that guy all the time, you know. I want you to understand that I want to be on the front line of the miracle that God is working. I want to be on God's distribution pipeline. And what that means, I believe, is that, you know, I've received love from Jesus, and I want to take it, and I want to give that love away. And I've received grace from Jesus, more grace and more grace, and I want to be the guy that offers that grace to others And I've received blessing, blessing after blessing after blessing. And I want to be the guy that blesses others and just is a part of that. Anything I've received, I've received resources. And I want to give resources away. And I want to be the guy that's that disciple that's receiving from the hand of Jesus and taking to the people and passing it out and coming back and finding that there is no want because I get to be a part of the distribution pipeline. And I have a feeling that's where you want to be too. I have a feeling you want to be on that front line of a miracle. And this is how you do it. You, you do it by being open, by, by, by believing that he's one step ahead and anticipating that he's at work behind the scene. And then when he gives you an opportunity, you begin to distribute. And it starts with whatever you have. What have you received from the Lord? Be ready to give it away. What do you have? How can you offer that? Have you received love from God? Can you offer love? Have you received grace? Can you offer grace? Have you been blessed? Can you bless others? Do you see how this works? We have received freely from the Lord. Now we're to freely give it away. I I, I just love this picture. That's where the action is. And when you give outlandishly, when you love outlandishly, when you have this outlandish kind of faith, Jesus gives you the opportunity to be on the front row of a miracle. So I want to tell you a true life story about how this happened. Not that that wasn't true. Sorry. Modern day story about how this happened because I believe that God gives us insight again and again and again into how the scripture is at work in our lives. And so this is a story, some of you may have heard this, it was on the news, that uh, 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 at the time it was a seven-year-old 
overlaker named Ethan. He's in first grade. And it was before Easter time, and, and uh, he was talking with his mom about the, the Union Gospel Mission, was having this deal where they wanted to feed the homeless this beautiful Easter meal, and it only cost a buck 92. So Ethan and his mom, Heather, are talking about this, and, and, uh, and, and, and they're just talking about, you know, what a buck 92 is, and, and Ethan's like, that's, that's less than $2, isn't it? And Heather said, yeah, it is. And, and Ethan's like, I've got a couple of dollars. I'd like to, to give and, and, and buy a couple of meals. And Heather said, great. And Ethan thought, he said, you know what? I've got, I've got $30 in my bank account. I want to give $30 so that I can buy meals uh, for, for the homeless. And Heather said, great. That would be wonderful, Ethan. You know? and, and then Ethan said, I bet you you have $30 too, Mom. Uh, and she said, I do, you know, I, I, I do. And, and so, you know, she felt absolutely shamed into participating. No, I'm just kidding. She challenged, is the word, to, to participate. And so she did. And, and then she sent out a couple of emails to some family members and friends. And, hey, Ethan really has caught a vision for this, and he's challenged me. I just wondered if you wanted to participate. And so a bunch of others kind of gave 30 bucks, and, and it started to roll a little bit. And so Heather told the Union Gospel Mission, hey, this is... This is what's going on. This is kind of birthed out of my seven-year-old's heart. And so the president called her back and said, wow, that story of Ethan really touched us here. We just really blessed my staff. Would you be okay if we made a, a webpage calling it Ethan's Challenge and kind of got the word out about how your son's get, getting this ball rolling? And, and she said, no, that'd be great. And, and so they put up a little webpage and started trying to get the word out a little bit. And, and anyway, we're marching towards Easter and, and Heather asked Ethan, um, Ethan, how many meals would you like to provide through this, this thing? And, and do you have a goal? And he said, well, you know, Jesus fed 5,000. I, I think I'd like to do that. <laughs> and of course, she's thinking, you know, 60 meals, 80 meals, yeah, you know, 5,000, okay. All right. She doesn't want to, like, um, you, you know, have little faith, but, you know, she <laughs> totally had little faith. And and she didn't want to, she also didn't want to set him up for failure either. So she's trying to steward his heart carefully as a, a good mom. And, and um, so it starts rolling towards Easter and the word gets out. And, and uh, a lot of you at Overlay kind of heard this, this happening and many of you participated. And uh, I heard about it. So I actually shared from stage one day about how Ethan was running with this charge. And, and the week of Easter, you know, it didn't look like it was going to happen. There were about 3,000 meals that had, had been uh, paid for and, and as it was creeping towards Good Friday, then Heather gets a text, you know what? We're at 5,000 meals. And so it was a great celebration. And then um, by the end of Easter, they were able to serve. Well, I want you to watch this video. You can see for yourself. If Ethan Becerra's repeated efforts to climb up this playground slide are any indication, ah! this is a seven-year-old kid with a natural aversion to the easy road. It's amazing. His mom learned that lesson six weeks ago while reading a newsletter from the Union Gospel Mission. I saw that um, meals were only one ninety-two. The dollar ninety-two just really resonated with him. And mom said, "Well, you get." Um, five dollars a week of allowance, so why don't you donate some to Union Gospel Mission? And I said, no, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to donate thirty dollars. Enough to empty Ethan's piggy bank, giving the gift of fifteen meals. And then he turned it back around on me and said, Mom, I'm pretty sure grown-ups have two dollars too. 
so that it was kind of a yeah. Uh, it, yep, sure, okay. sure I do. <laughs> Before long, Ethan's challenge grew a lot. His goal was to raise enough to buy 5,000 meals by Easter. And so that was a little bit bigger of a dream than I think uh, we yeah, can dream. When this Easter community meal in Seattle's South Park neighborhood got underway today, the total was not 5,000. Uh, 8,295. Ethan's heart-tugging goal received so much publicity, he shattered his goal. His heart must be awfully big. Union Gospel Mission will tell you that many meals will make a big difference. Yeah, you know, if a seven-year-old can do it, then all of us can do it. And I just love his vision that I think adults have two dollars too, Mom. And don't think Ethan is done. I feel pretty good. The sites are now set on 10,000 meals by the end of the school year. 10,000 or bust, I guess it is now. <laughs> Sorry. Which means his climb. I'm trying to get off this thing. It's just getting started. And get this, Ethan's parents just learned that someone in Korea held a fundraiser last night to help Ethan with his fundraising goal. Well, I wanted you to meet him. It's pretty cool, huh? <laughs> wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted you to get a chance to meet Ethan because, um, well, first off, Ethan is just a totally special kid. He just is, he's great and he obviously is passionate and he has an incredible amount of faith. So I thought I would just ask him a couple of questions uh, and we could learn from Ethan. E Ethan, um, how much fun did you have when you were doing all that? Um, pretty much a lot. Okay. All right. Um, tell us some of the things that you were thinking about during that fundraising season. Um, well, I was, um, I was a little bit, um, iffy about if I would reach my goal or not, because 5,000 is a big goal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was only like two months away from Easter. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's not a lot of time to... Get five thousand meals. Yeah. How, how do you? So how do you think it happened? What What do you think? What was it? Um. Well. Um. You know, you just have to um trust in God. Yeah. Okay. To help you get you th to help um get you through things. Okay. All right. So even though it's bigger than than you could kind of conceive of, you just have to trust God to go there. Um, let me, you, know, you got a lot of folks listening to you right now, and this is your church, so what kind of advice would you have for us today? Um, well, number one, start with what you have. Number two, ask for help. And number three, have faith. Okay. That sounds pretty awesome. Thank you, Ethan. Have a great day, buddy. Okay. All right. <laughs> you know, one, one of the things that I love the most about Ethan's story and the success there is just this, that I think there is a voice of disqualification that runs in so many of our minds that says, I, I can't be a part of something big. I, I can't make a difference. I can't, I can't be on the front line of a miracle 
because I'm just this kind of person. I'm just, maybe I'm too old, maybe I'm too young, maybe I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just a house husband, I'm a housewife, maybe I'm, I'm just, you know, in this job, I'm in this dead end, I'm, in, I'm this kind of person. I, I think that there is no end to the, the enemy's prompting that gets us to disqualify ourselves. And the reason why I love Ethan's story is because he's a seven-year-old with faith. That was a couple years. He's not seven any longer. But he was a seven-year-old, and he has faith, and he moves on faith. He starts with what he has. He has faith that God will move. Friends, every one of us can do that, every single one of us. So I I love that story. And then it's, it's the invitation, right, of the Lord. Friends, Jesus could do things without our involvement always. You know that, right? Like, God is not up in heaven on the edge of his seat wringing his hands saying, oh, oh, I hope Mike Howerton starts moving because I am, I am just totally shackled until he does, you know? Like, not, not a chance. Even in this story, Jesus, he could have solved the hunger issue universally without utilizing the help of the disciples at all. I mean, Jesus could have been like, all right, let's do tummies filled now, you know, and say, ooh, oh, oh, that was good, you know? Like, it, it, it could have been totally different, but, but what he does is he invites us in. My buddy Scott says it this way. He says, God doesn't use us to get projects done. God uses projects to get us done. And so the disciples, I want you to think about them for a moment. You know, they were hungry too. They hadn't eaten as well. It was past their dinner time. But I imagine that as they began to be a part of the miracle, they forgot everything else. And they were giving God praise and and glory and they were singing songs and they were laughing to each other and high-fiving as they continued to run around that hillside distributing all of the bread and the fish and seeing everybody feast until they were satisfied and they were so caught up in the movement of God and the miracle that they'd been invited into that I believe the disciples might have forgotten their hunger. But Jesus did not forget. Because this is the coolest part, I think, in my mind. This is the coolest part of the story. Is then Jesus says, hey, good job, gentlemen. Well, well done. Now, um, before we wrap things up here, why don't you guys go around and let's gather everything and uh, make sure that nothing gets wasted. And here's a couple of baskets. Why don't you run and fill those up? And, oh, look, 12 baskets. Wow, what a coincidence. How many disciples do we have? Oh, 12. Shocker, I wonder how that happened. Friends, this brings me to just what I think is the coolest of cool truths, and you can write this down. It's very simple, but I've seen it true again and again and again. It's that Jesus serves the servants. Jesus honors humble servants, those who place others ahead of themselves, those who act sacrificially. Jesus serves and delights in serving the servants. And that's why the best place to be is in Jesus' distribution pipeline. That's why the the, the most exciting place to be is there because the people who were seated on the hillside, they got to enjoy a miracle. But the disciples were invited to participate in one. And after it was over, 
with the full blessing of God Most High, they were each given a basket of food, invited to sit on the grass and feast. Just a beautiful, beautiful picture of how we might, through faith, participate in the outlandish love that Jesus has. So what I want to do is I want to just make sure that we make this very, very practical. So again, if this week, if, if you're going to do this, if you're going to walk with this kind of a faith and you're going you're gonna to believe that Jesus is one step ahead, you're going to anticipate that he's working behind the scenes and he'll come through, you want to be a part of his distribution pipeline, this week you are going to encounter somebody in your life, somebody at work or in a classroom, or a neighbor, or a friend, a family member, you're going to encounter somebody who has a need. They're hungry for something. How do you participate like this with them? I just have three quick examples. These are very, very practical. The first thing I believe you can do is lovingly point them to these truths we've covered today. There is a God who cares about their need. He is one step ahead of where they are right now. They can't see the solution, but God is at work, and they can anticipate that Jesus will come through. You can be a part of this distribution pipeline simply by reminding them of these truths, that there is a God of love who loves them completely. The second fill-in is that you can offer to pray for them. Now, Overlake, here's a quick uh, teaching. Um, Don't uh, offer to pray and then forget about praying. Okay? Now, now, if you've done that, you have done that. If you've done that, just know there is forgiveness for you. But you are a filthy sinner. Okay? Like, I just, you have to know that. We, we offer to pray. If we offer to pray, let's go ahead and follow through with praying. Okay? So that, that's the deal. But when you go in your prayer closet, in your home, maybe it's in your car, you're praying, make sure you lift them before the Lord and that you pray over these truths that we've covered. Jesus, I know you're one step ahead of my friend. I know that you're going to come through for them. Lord, help me to be a part of the distribution pipeline where I bring love and I bring grace and I bring blessing into their life. And then the last thing, again, very simple but very profound, not just pray for them, that you would actually pray with them, that you would put a hand on a shoulder, that you would hold their hands in yours. Maybe you're on the phone with them. Maybe they live across the state or the nation. And so you're on the phone and you just say, you know what, are you in a place right now where you can step aside? I just want to pray for you. Because that is so powerful and it is so profound. And it's this example of us, by faith, we're offering the situation to Jesus, knowing that he can take it and break it and multiply it. Now, I have been invited to be on the front row of God's miracles from time to time. And this is, it's it's not because of my faith. It's not because of anything special about me. I just think Jesus delights in inviting us there. And if we'll have the eyes to see, he'll show us that we're on the front row. Um, Many years ago, so I'm going to tell a story. And it really happened, and it really happened this way, uh, but it's the smallest of stories, okay? So, So here it is. Uh, many years ago, we were doing a mission trip to Samoa, Western Samoa. Now, Western Samoa is beautiful. I mean, God has blessed it with incredible beauty, but it's highly impoverished. And what we were doing as we were doing mission there is we were trying to tell the kids about Jesus, and we were doing that through the vehicle of a sports camp. We anticipated about 400 or so children would show up to our sports camp. It was running all week long. 
And uh, it's a big deal in Samoa. As they get visitors, they really want to participate in what the visitors have to offer. And, and because it's so impoverished in Western Samoa, um, two things were really big to the children there. Um, a free t-shirt that they were going to get for being a part of the, the sports camp, and um, then um, snacks every day. Okay, Big, big, big deal. So every day we do the sports camp, and then every day we, we uh, have an opportunity you know, to do snacks. It was just water to drink, but then uh, we had a little goodie for them. Planned for 500 kids. Okay, you got it. That's backstory. Here's the story. First day, we had about 400 kids show up. So it was great. We gave away our shirts, gave them snacks, wrapped it up. Good, good stuff. They went home. They told all their buddies and all their friends and all the villages. They came back the next day. There were about 700 kids. Well, that's a bummer. You know what? That, that's a total bummer because now we're out of T-shirts, right? We don't have T-shirts to give. And so then you got the adults, you know, ripping T-shirts off the kids, putting them on, you know, like it, 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 it wasn't a good thing. But we ran out of T-shirts. But somehow the snacks lasted for day two. Then they go home. They tell their buddies, come back. The next day, it's more like 900 kiddos. Last day, there were 1,200 kids that showed up. Somehow we had made the snacks work all week long, but on the last day, I kid you not, we have like one carton of fishy crackers left. We're like, how in the world do we do this? There is no plan B, right? And, and again, this is not like global crisis. Like, I, I totally get this. But this is a deal. It's a big deal to the kiddos that are here. And, and there is no plan B because we don't have time to make a plan B. We don't have money to make a plan B. And even if we had time and money, there's no Costco on Western Samoa to like run and, you know, pick up some stuff. So like, it, we were, we, this was it. Like, this was the plan. And, and so the 20 or so leaders that we were there, we just, we held hands and we prayed over a carton of fishy crackers. And we just prayed, Jesus, we know that this is a big deal to your children. And so if you would, would you just, would you let everybody get a snack today? And so we started bringing the kids in and, and you know, that we started with the youngest kids and so everybody files through and we just, one carton, we just pour a little out, you know, in each kid's hand and and they go through, and then the next group comes through, a little bit older, and a little bit in each hand as they come through, and the next group, and a little bit, and we thought by the third group, done for sure, just toast. Oh, there's a little more, let's keep going, bring the next group through, you know, and, and so then they come through, and everybody gets a little, and the next group through, and by the end of the day, every kid had had a snack. Now... I can't explain it. And, and honestly, I've wrestled with, you know, should I, should I call up the goldfish company and just tell them? I'm like, that's a good commercial right there, you know. <laughs> the bottomless carton, right? Like, that's a, that's a great ad, right? But, you know, here's, here's my takeaway. If God cares about providing a snack for a Samoan kid, God cares about the situation that you're facing this week. If God, in his beautiful, winsome, perfect wisdom, decides to take fishy crackers and break them and multiply them, then I have no doubt that in your need, God wants to overwhelmingly meet it. If God would use a knucklehead like me and a faithful seven-year-old like Ethan to be on the front row of his miracles then God will use you this week. Now, the only way we can get there is by faith. 
that by faith, we believe that Jesus is one step ahead. By faith, we believe that he will come through for us. And by faith, we step in and be a part of his distribution pipeline. Friends, the last question I have for you today is, as you live this week and as we go forward into this fall, are you ready to embrace God's math? Are you ready to embrace God's math? Let's pray together. Lord, I I have no doubt that there is somebody here who has a need and they are overwhelmed by it. Maybe it's a health need or a relationship need. Maybe it's a a need of finance. Maybe it it is just they they feel so stuck where they are and their need is they, they can see no pathway forward. So Jesus I pray that you would overwhelm them with your love and your grace right now. That you would let them see a glimpse behind the veil into heaven's storehouses. Let them see that there is no need that we have that you cannot overwhelmingly meet. Allow them to see that you're one step ahead of them and that you will come through on their behalf. And Jesus, we ask that all of us would have the courage to be a part of your distribution pipeline, that you would find us faithful to take the love and the grace, the blessings and the resources that you've poured into our hands, and that we would turn and distribute them to others. We pray this so that you would receive your glory and so that we would be on the front line of your miracle. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen, amen.